Podcast Show, and I've got another great guest today with me in my series of interviewing cybersecurity leaders throughout the industry and throughout the world, finding out sort of what their journey's been about and how they ended up where they are today. And today I've got Charlie Givens from Bechtel National Inc. with me, and Charlie comes to us from uh, a long background, including, if we go back far enough, veteran, and thank you for your service on Veterans Day, so I'm glad we're doing it today. Um, Charlie is a father, he's a husband. He is a engineer, he is a photographer, he's a fishing enthusiast, he's a lifetime learner, and welcome to the show, Charlie Givens. Thank you, Derek, for having me. Well, uh, Charlie, as I think you know, uh, from uh, because I've now done so many episodes of this, I've got some things I always say, and I always say that cybersecurity people are superheroes, and superheroes always have backstories, so let's uh, let's get into your backstory. Where Where do you hail from? Yes, I come from a little small town in Georgia, a little small town called Soperton, Georgia. A couple of stoplights there, not that many people there. Seems like a great place to retire, um, but yes, very, very small town. All right. Well, then, then I don't know how where that is in relation to where I live in Atlanta, Georgia, but is that uh, how far away from me is that? Actually, it's down about 70 miles south of Macon, Georgia. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Driven right, right by there on my way down to Florida. Okay, super. Well, um, so I always sort of like to peel back all the onion layers of people that, you know, have been in this industry as long as you have, you know, early on, you know, before, uh, you know, before going into the Navy in your case, any intersection with technology uh, at that time of your life? I think my earliest intersection with technology, of, of course, uh, we all have played video games and we all wondered, you know, how they all work and, and all those kinds of things. So, uh, in high school, I actually had a basic class, um, that I took and, uh, I fell in love with programming at that time. And so that's where my, my first brush with technology came. And, and then I moved on to the, the Navy and, uh, that, that's where we got into actual computers and dealing with computers and things of that nature. So, so I started with a, a class in high school, actually. So, so yeah. Awesome. And so, yeah, you decided to, uh, join the Navy. Um, you're probably on, uh, let's see, 30, 32 years ago. Yes, that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what was, uh, what was that part of your journey? What did you end up doing and where did you go? Where were you stationed? Yeah, so I did my boot camp there in Orlando, and I did my A school in Meridian, Mississippi. And, of course, A school is where you learn the things that you're going to do in the Navy for the next X number of years. And uh, from there, I actually um, studied to be a yeoman, administrative uh, work. And then I, I met this guy when I moved to D.C., my first duty station, I met this guy who was all about computers and he was getting a computer science degree. And so I just kind of, you know, pulled and tugged a little bit and tried to figure out, I mean, what is that all about? You know, and, uh, he told me, of course, and, and again, I was like, yes, programming, learning about computers, parts and pieces, all those kind of things. That's kind of where I, I started picking up that. And of course I left the Navy and then jumped right into the school. So. Okay, so let's let's make that make that leap then. Yeah, what uh, you you know what did you, you computer science? I'm assuming is what you you ended up studying. Yes, I did. I went to uh, Georgia Southern University um, and studied uh, computer science. Uh, I did get my first couple of years from a little small junior college, 
um, all the maths and the Englishes and all those kind of things like that. Um, and then I moved on, like I said, to Georgia Southern University, and which is a great school. Um, they had a really good program, and I actually met a lot of good people there uh, from the uh, computer science background. And, and there I also worked in the lab and those kind of things of that nature, helping others out with programming and, you know, uh, operating systems, you know, all those kinds of things of that nature. So. Now, I'm just guessing at that era, and so I was always wanted to want to know where cybersecurity sort of intersects. Not not probably a big topic at that time. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't. It was my first job when I when I ran into cybersecurity. So. <laughs> yeah, so when you graduated uh, with a computer science degree, what's going to be interesting about uh, your journey, you're not the only person on the show, but you've been at Bechtel ever since. Yes, I have. So yep. let's talk about the leaf. Uh, there's a lot of people saying, you know, asking themselves, getting ready to leave school. We have students that participate, you know, in our sessions and listen to our podcasts, and they're thinking about where they're going to go next. So I'm always kind of curious what that, you know, that leap is. And everybody has a different story. You know, how did, where did you go from finishing up school to being at Bechtel? You know, obviously a significant, very old company, a company that's been around for, I forget, <laughs> you probably know better than me, but been around a long time, over 100 years, right? Yes, it has. Yeah, think about things like the Hoover Dam and those kind of things like that. Think about Bechtel. So, <laughs> yeah. but but yeah. So what I did is I actually co-opt with Bechtel um, twice while I was at Georgia Southern, and then as before I graduated, um, they asked me to come on and start to work for them. So from there, of course, I came in as a software engineer uh, at that point, uh, writing database applications, those kind of things of that nature. And then I got into process control a little bit, a little bit later. Um, and then process control, there was this discussion about going around the, the campus there or, or the site there rather. There was this discussion going on about uh, cybersecurity and those kind of things with respect to process control systems. Because at that time, I mean, it was, we weren't doing too much with, uh, with uh, cybersecurity and process control. Um, so what we did is we kind of stood up an organization there at Savannah River um, to support, you know, process control uh, from a cyber perspective. And that's kind of where I I kind of touch base with cybersecurity from an ICS perspective. But before that, actually, I was also um, ingrained from an IT perspective and kind of understood what it all meant. But there again, of course, when you get into process you know, it's a little bit different than it is when you're dealing with things like email servers and those kind of things of that nature. So, yeah, I want to touch on that because this comes up all the time, Charlie, this this concept, uh, you know, people will sometimes quickly just put under IT and OT and, you know, and that's maybe an oversimplification. But the truth is there's differences. There's different domains. There's sort of different understandings. There's lots to be learned from multiple domains. It's not like everybody's got the answer if they know how the plant runs, but they've never done cybersecurity. But if you've only done IT and you never like you had those early exposure to process and to process control. And that's a great, you know, you, you've got a fusion background, you you know, which is really, I think, my I would say the biggest pattern of people today that are truly, you know, doing cybersecurity for control systems. They may have started in one, but they added the other discipline and they gain they gain perspective from 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 both. And the longer, you know, the more longer the, that exposure has been the more people have been called unicorns, like to have a really unique understanding of IT, cybersecurity, software coding, and process, and safety and reliability. That's a rare, that's a, you know, not we don't have enough people that can say they've got all those backgrounds. And it looks like that's, you're, yet again, have one of these, you know, um, journeys that sort of all those paths into fusing together. Is that a fair, you know, fair statement? 
It is. Uh, I, I can say for the most part until this last job that I'm on, I have been in engineering from the beginning. So I was a computer scientist in engineering. So therefore, I got a lot of the background about the processes from an engineering perspective, which are different, again, than IT perspective. And then what, what you learn is you start to go into and deal with plants and those kind of things, and you understand what it means for the plant to be operating and what it means if something goes down, you know, how catastrophic that could be and the safety and hazards and all those kind of things that are involved. And that kind of changes your mindset and your thinking a little bit from a cybersecurity perspective. It's more of, you know, as we always talk about availability, the system has to always be running because you're producing something. So, yes, and then you get in touch with um, other people with the same, you know, background and things of that nature. And like you said, I what happens is these people are grown. They're not necessarily coming out of school that way. I mean, they're just they're thrown into the mix, and then what happens is they start to learn all these things over time. Um, but, yes, it does take time to, to do that. So let's touch on something that's a, a potential good advice opportunity. You know, we, we have people coming to our community events from lots of different backgrounds. And so um, it comes up every now and then, people that are in process control domains and, and, and process control network areas, and, you know, they're true engineers, and they don't know uh, the cybersecurity domain at all. What, are, what would be some of your recommendations for first steps that they might they might take because there is an awakening. There's more people that coming from, you know, traditional engineering, you know, what they would call real in Some of them would say real engineers, you know, <laughs> the jokes. but th- th- there's an awakening like hmm, there's some other stuff I, I, need, I could add to my toolbox. Where would you point them to to just to, to get to get going? Yeah, to, to, to start. I mean, I would I would get in some of the the more basic courses. I mean, that are out there with respect to networking you know, with respect to just how the the IT side of the fence works. And, yeah, from an engineering perspective, we understand a lot about, you know, the processes and how they work. But sometimes when you overlay that, like we're doing today, you, you know, we don't see a lot of pneumatic and those kind of things unless it's very old stuff, right? But like today, I mean, you actually have Windows systems that are running these plants in some cases. So it's very beneficial to understand how those systems are actually working and how they infuse with the process network and those kind of things. So so I would lead people down the road of, of understanding networking, understanding how to architect the network and some of those kind of things of that nature, as well as, like I said, the basic um, IT framework and those kind of things, understanding that. And from a frame of reference for whatever conversations they're going to have later, right? I I've heard the networking, if you understand at least the basis of networking, that's a that's a good foundation for lots of subsequent conversation. Yes, it is. It is because, I mean, we always talk about the control network, which is separate than the business network and how they all touch and play together and, and what have you. Because once you touch the business network, I mean, you got all kind of pivots and your attack space gets large and, you know, all those kind of things of that nature. That's why you try to keep it very small. Um, as small as you can, but, but there again, I mean, we all want data, right? These days and, uh, <laughs> and data is king, right? So. Yeah, that genie's out of the bottle, right? There's, there's, uh, <laughs> every day for, uh, we can get the data here. And even if we could put data back and tune that turbine, I mean, there's all sorts of things that are like, whoo, yes. 
uh, you know, I could see the positive from that, but I can also think, you know, it, we can all see some challenges from the same, the dark side of the, the coin, so to speak. There are some, some amazing new outcomes possible and efficiencies, however. Yeah. But one thing, uh, too, David, that I would, irregardless of which side of the fence a person comes from, the IT or the OT or engineering or cyber, I mean, I would try to infuse myself with people from those backgrounds, right? Because I believe it takes a team of people to execute ICS cybersecurity and cybersecurity in general. And these people have different expertise sometimes that, you know, everybody doesn't want to go out and learn, right? So what happens is you put these people together, and, I mean, they work as a really good team of people together to be able to produce a, a good result for you. Um, yeah, and, and that might be an interesting jump. You are you helped create an ICS center and program at Bechtel. Yes. Did that involve yes. bringing constituents from different groups together to, in, to some degree? Can you, could you talk about that process a little bit? Yeah, so what we did is we stood up a, a, an organization and uh, a small organization at first, and essentially what we did is, I mean, we brought in some process control, you know, personnel or what we call control engineers or what have you, and then some of those control engineers had to learn, you know, the the cybersecurity side of the fence, but also we brought in some IT people as well. Because, I mean, what they were able to do is to help us to deal with the splunks of the world and help us to deal with, you know, setting up, you know, some of the um, the desktops and those kind of things of that nature, you know, the man-in-the-middle attacks, you know, those kind of things help us to kind of work through some of that. But I think over time what happened was, I mean, these people start to have a, start to have a real good synergy between them, mm-hmm. and they work really well together. And that's really what you want. A lot of times what we find – you know, is that people are, are pulling and tugging instead of working together, you know, to be able to achieve yeah. the, the result. Um, but the team, they really worked, uh, worked well together. Um, so yeah. Of that, what was the, what was the charter or mission or sort of the foundation of pulling that group in, and what was it called or is it called? Yeah. So it was, um, the ICS cybersecurity technical center. Okay. And essentially what our focus was is to bring, was to bring ICS to, I'm sorry, cybersecurity to ICS systems. Um, and of course, I mean, when you can kind of start to bake in from a design perspective, this is what the beauty of it all is. If you can start to bake in the cybersecurity from the design perspective, then you don't try to bolt it on after the fact. Which is what we're facing almost everywhere. The green exactly. Field, greenfield opportunity is, is like, oh, man, this is the chance. Do it right from the beginning. That is the call to action, isn't it? Yes. Yes, that, that's absolutely right. So what we what we try to do is, I mean, to infuse these things again there in our procedures and, you know, how we stand up, how we buy stuff. I mean, procurement language, you know, a lot of those different kinds of things of that nature. You know, all of that has to be in place in order for you to be able to have a, a sustainable organization and and system to support you know what yeah. you're trying to provide to your customer so any lessons learned if somebody wanted to set something up uh people are i think looking at these sorts of programs and bringing bringing the stakeholders together from different parts of their company any lessons learned you know like something that you did that like this this is something we did that really worked or you know what this is something we wouldn't do again in trying to get that sort of thing pulled together and, and get everybody working together and trusting each other so i i, I think a couple of key things, right? And it all boils, I, I kind of step aside from the technical for a second, right? 
because the technical, I mean, we know how to do technical stuff, right? But the idea is the people side of it. I mean, I, I focus a lot of time on the people aspects. And I, I think if, if you put a good leader in place, you know, who can lead a technical organization, not just control system people or not just IT people, but you can lead a cross-functional organization to be able to achieve the result that you're looking for, I think you can get these people to work together if if you do that. But there again, I mean, if a person comes in with a mindset that, oh, well, I'm an engineer and I'm going to do it this way, and that's the only way that I'm going to do it, I mean, that's, you're not going to get far with that because you're going to, you're going to, the IT side of the fence is going to resent that and they're probably going to walk away and not want to work with you. So I think we, we had that, you know, as part of our organization. I mean, where we could, where we brought in the IT people, we brought in a good leader and those kind of things of that nature to help us to, to get to that point. So I think the people component is a, is a, the biggest part of all of it. I think you're absolutely right in building trust and communication, caring about communication and how, and like you said, coming into it with a mindset, all that stuff is, is essential, right? And there is still dysfunction in a lot of organizations, which is sad to see. It's like the adversaries are, are the threat we should be worried about, not, not our, not our partners that, you know, in our, in the same company. And actually, one other thing, Derek, is, is that even from the leadership perspective of all of it, you know, beyond the leader that was a leader of the group, what we tried to do or what we did actually is, is we brought in like automation personnel. We brought in IT CIO personnel and we brought in engineering personnel to kind of oversee the, the execution of the center. So essentially, so, so now, you know, you got to get buy off from all these guys, <laughs> yeah. you know, to be able to press forward. So. But yeah, that, it, it worked. It worked well for us. That's awesome. Um, another theme I like to talk about, and I think it's 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 sort of a natural fit with what we were just talking about, is mentorship and role mm-hmm. role that is played either as part of that you know that sub organization group that you know was specific, or in general, how much mentorship receiving or giving has played a, a you know a part of your own journey. You know, Bechtel it itself, I mean, has a big mentoring program uh, within itself. So, I mean, some, sometimes those things are kind of rolled into to that. Anyway, you know, we we deal like, say, for instance, we have technical what we call technical specialists. Right. And part of the, the technical specialist responsibility is to mon- to mentor people. So so say, for instance, I mean, if, if I'm an ICS cybersecurity technical specialist, part of my responsibility is to go mentor the next person to replace me or, you know, those kind of things of that nature. But mentoring uh, in general, I think, goes goes a long ways because, I mean, you have people that are coming out of, of school. And, and sometimes, I mean, they they have a, a, a great mindset as to where they want to go. Um, but then again, sometimes how do I get there? The people that have been there for a while can help you. To, to, to get to that point, right? Um, and I think that's where mentoring comes in and plays a, a big role, uh, to support those things. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we do have, like I said, Bechtel overall has a, has a good, uh, mentoring program. So it's a formal, a formal program. It's very deliberate. Yes, it is. And, yeah. and, but we also, I mean, we, we also do informal, um, mentoring as well. I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of open. I mean, from the perspective of, especially in, in the ranks that I'm in, from the perspective of if people need help, we help them. 
I mean, again, we know how important the people are to the execution of the job. Yeah. So therefore, we, we kind of make sure that happens. Uh, any advice for people who are at the very beginning of their career path? And we get this question, how do I, you know, how do I get into, how do I break into, how do I, how, how do I get in this, in this space? Uh, they could be coming out of the military. They could be coming right out of school. What sort of things, you know, should people uh, be thinking about maybe doing? It seems insurmountable to them. You know, like it's like that old parable, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Well, one little bite at a time, you know, maybe start somewhere and be like, well, where do I start? Yeah, sometimes sometimes it can be tough <laughs> because a lot of times you're looking for people that 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 have some background already. But but there again, I think finding well, let me step back. So looking at some of those things from a a course perspective, that that's the first thing because you got to show some level of aptitude, right, to be able to to execute these things. And people coming out of school, they they have that already. I think one big thing that that we uh, have been able to be fortunate to be part of is that, you know, some schools actually have ICS as part of their program and cybersecurity tied into that. Right. So that kind of helps as well. But there again, I think if you're a control systems engineer and you want to learn about cyber, I think you should make sure that you express that when you come into an organization, because like. You know, if you don't express that, then we're going to teach you the things for being a control systems engineer. And that's that's what we're going to teach you. But adding on, you know, to that from a cyber perspective is something also that we would like to make sure that we're we're leaning forward on as well. So. So if you had an engineer applying and they said, oh, by the way, I also have one of the basic you know, networking certifications or a CISSP, you know, I've, I've, I've done this on my own, which is doable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get some of the base level certs or certifications in, or even a certificate course in cybersecurity, something less strenuous, but saying, I've already gone down this, I'm going down this road without overplaying their hand and saying, I'm an expert, which some people do when they get a couple certs. And that's always a, a, a mistake of, of, of entry level folks. But if they say, I, I've got it, like you said, an aptitude and an interest, and I've already got this basic networking certification. How would you, I mean, that would be a positive on an applicant's standpoint, right? Oh, yes, it will. Because see, what happens is, is first of all, you already know the control systems aspects of it, right? Plus, you have this ICS cyber aspect as well, which we can use too. And then, of course, I mean, I will call my my colleagues up and say, okay, I got this resume of this guy who has CISSP or GICSP or or what have you, and you know, what about this guy? I mean, especially from, from guys that are working and managing the, um, the ICS, ICS cyber lab. You know, we're, we're looking for, you know, sometimes people that are coming out of school as well as professionals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah, you, all those things help. Yeah. Yeah. Anything, any challenges in your career path that you've overcome or that you, yeah, that you just, that you recall that you would share it and, and what that story was and how you, how you dealt with it. It's always hard, you know, sometimes when you're trying to to stand up organizations and they sometimes go against, you know, what what is tradition. So oh, sometimes well, those going in industry right now, right? <laughs> right. right. Yeah. You know, and sometimes those things are, are very difficult um to do. But I think perseverance and determination and you know getting in front of the right people you know, to discuss what you're trying to do, 
I mean, some people have open ears, you know, to listen to, to those things. And I, I believe part of that is how we came up with the ICS, you know, technical center. You know, people were willing to listen and they're continuing to listen and, and, and what have you. So we're able to, um, exact some change, you know, and, and how we execute and those kind of things of that nature. So I, I, I think our management team is, is, is great. I mean, they're, they're supporting, um, that effort for us. Um, because, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't get that support and, and, you know, it just goes by the wayside, right? So yeah, standing up organizations is a tough part. And also, I mean, the, the other part for me that, that was tough is, you know, when you get into these leadership or these leadership situations, um, you have to give up some of the technical aspects, right? I'm a technical person through and through. But then again, you know, that's why we hire other guys to do more of the technical work. <laughs> you know, so so that that can be a, a challenge as well, because what happens is you can put people on edge and, and, you know, they'll want to leave companies and that kind of stuff like that, because you're taking over all the technical work when you shouldn't be doing that. Right. So those things are challenging um, as well. So is that paraphrasing is that letting some things go? Yes, you do. You have to let some things go. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't always be the technical expert and lead the group, right? You got to give up something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's a great segue to a question I have sometimes asked. If you would, let, let's say we go back to 1998 and you're sitting across from you at that age, what advice would you give? <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> that's a good that question. Guy? You remember 1998? <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like my, my career kind of went off onto a track where I'm happy with the way things happened because, because I did get a lot of different experiences, um, through execution of different types of work and different domains of work. And it, it's, it's been great. I mean, people have allowed me to, 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 I, I got into leadership early, right? So they allowed me to, to learn as I, as I went along. But, but then again, also bringing along the technical aspects. I mean, I did a lot of, I believe I did a lot of good technical work, you know, and that kind of, you know, shined through. And I, if I had something to tell, um, myself back then, I probably would say, you know, get involved and maybe cybersecurity a little bit early and maybe kind of focus my career just a little bit more, if, if anything, because I have a varied background is, is what it is. Sometimes you, we consider ourselves jack of all trades, but the, you know, the master of none, right? So yeah, 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 no, that, that, that makes sense. And, and yeah, it's, it's probably scary to, for people to hitch their cart to a particular thing. I mean, in hindsight now, cybersecurity is pretty obvious, right? You know, it's like, wow, that, that's a, that's like a, it's going somewhere and, and there's a lot of, a lot of possibilities, you know, having cybersecurity, you know, experiences and knowledge and, and, and depth. Um, and so people would, people ask now, okay, within cybersecurity, is it the same thing true if I, if I get some expertise in machine learning or artificial intelligence, you know, is that something that we'll look back from 15 years from now and say, it's obvious gaining experience in that really made you special. It made you valuable. And people mm-hmm. ask that and they say, what would make me valuable? 
in the future? And that's a great question to ask you is like, what are you excited about in the future? It's a sort of two parter. And are there things you're, that your, your own gut or maybe, maybe you say no, definitely. But even if it's just your gut says, you know, I think this is an area where somebody could really be valuable down the road if they brought this additional knowledge to the cybersecurity for control system sort of uh, arena. Yeah. So I, I believe I'm just looking at industry in general and thinking about secure security as a big word, you know, going forward, security is always going to be there, I believe, um, because it's always this idea of building a better mousetrap, right? You build, we build a mousetrap, the guy gets around it, we build another mousetrap, right? So I believe it's always going to be there. I mean, from a technology perspective, the thing that I am most interested in right now um, is quantum com- computing and how cybersecurity is going to play in that sandbox. Because I'm hearing a lot of things, I mean, <laughs> where, you know, a lot of things could be broken and, and, and what have you, I mean, with this idea of quantum computing. So I'm interested in that uh, going forward to see how it impacts. I you know, also- not talking about that and it's not about like what the defenders can do with quantum computing because like well it's going to be used by everybody uh yeah. you know, that's at least the going discussions like so it's it's going to have like a lot of progress it's going to have a unintended you know yep. use cases yep so so yeah i mean crystal ball i mean those are the things i mean i'm my me myself are focused on or, or looking at and also i mean how uh, again, I, 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 I always preach this, but the, the people, right? The people is always going to be a component in what I do because I believe the people are our greatest resource. I don't care how many, you know, <laughs> um, supercomputers I have, you know, it still takes people to get the job done. Um, and it takes people to, to set those things up and to, to code those things and all the, that stuff that goes into it. We, we have to make sure we take care of the people. Yeah, I so totally agree with you and, and have my own experiences that sort of reinforce what you just shared. And uh, it, it does come down to if there's something someone's going to invest in, it could be in some technological areas as we're discussing. It could be just in keep working on your people skills, communication, yeah. uh, how to have empathy for other people because they may have a different perspective than you and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and communication skills and presentation skills. Those things doesn't matter where you go. Those are going to benefit you. Yep. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Um, what? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, it's funny. I think about the uh, advice, and you, 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 you sort of said it, but I think it's maybe worth going back to. Be, be happy. Find work that makes you happy. You were able to. I mean, the way you said it was, you have been. You've enjoyed your journey, and you enjoy your journey. And uh, within, you know, within this space, there's a lot of different directions people can go, but don't stay either with a company, you clearly you've chosen to stay with a company. That says a lot about how you feel about that, that company. But, you know, I think that's a theme that's popped up every now and then is pursue, pursue some sort of feeling fulfilled and feeling happy. Maybe not every single day and maybe not every single person you have to work with, but in general, it sounds like you're describing 25 years of experiences. It's been a pretty positive journey for you. Yes, it has. It has. And, um, you know, I, when I first came to Bechtel, my mindset was I'm only going to be here five years. I'm just going to hop and get me another, you know, software engineering job and I'm just going to continue on. Right. 
Um, but that's not the way the way it worked. I mean, Bechtel is a huge company and there's a lot of things that are going on. Um, so I was I've been able to, you know, be happy in doing a lot of different things over time um, and stretching, you know, my career and also stretching my my understanding of certain things. You know, I never thought I would be even talking to anybody about nuclear stuff. Right. <laughs> when I came out of school. Right. Yeah. Um, but there again, those are the things we learn and we pick up in addition to the technical skills that we have and the leadership skills that we have. Right. So. So oh, awesome. Any any uh, any final comments you want to share uh, about control system cybersecurity thoughts on your mind, uh, the biggest problems that are, or, or successes you think we're having? Any any sort of reflections on the overall overall industry you want to share? Yeah, I think there's um, there's quite a, a few movements of afoot out there where people are trying to um, look at some of the the smaller. Um, companies and, and what have you, because I think that's where a, some holes can find themselves, um, where larger companies have a lot of money to expend on some, sometimes on these things. Um, but then smaller companies, how do they get themselves secure um, and and um, and move forward? I mean, especially with some of the smaller utilities and things of that nature. I mean, we, we can find holes in some of the things that are, are being done there. Um, but I think CISA and others are, are looking at ways to kind of help, you know, with some of that. So, I mean, those things are good. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think, um, are you optimistic? Are we making, you know, everybody would measure progress differently and there's the fear, uncertainty and doubt end of the spectrum where people are like doom and gloom and we're going to get taken over by, you know, a foreign nation state. And there's others saying we're making good progress here. Um, you know, where do you fall on that? I, I think we're making some progress. <laughs> let me let me say it that way. I think we're making some progress. Um, there's more progress to be made because, you know, if, you know, I can open up the newspaper every day and I see somebody's been breached, I mean, that something is going wrong there. Um, but then again, you know, I, I think about that sometimes, you know, how much of that is the simpler things that I can do to my system that I choose not to do, um, right? that allow certain people to get in and break certain things of that nature. So I think we're making progress in some areas. Um, but there again, I mean, it's something that we're going to have to continue to work toward um, because, I mean, it's a, it's a big landscape and it's dynamic. Yeah. We're not trying to solve a fixed problem. I, I, uh, I've been asked that sometimes when I've been speaking, uh, you typically my non cybersecurity people, you know, business owner types are like, We've, we're spending all this money on why hasn't it been solved? Well, we're not trying to solve a fixed problem, right? It's like you said, it's very, very dynamic and we're adding more attack surfaces every day. So there's really no arriving at a place called secure, right? There's just better process, better handling things, risk mitigation. You know, we're going to be better reduce the damage of the future incident that you're likely to have, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's, and that's, that's good. I mean, it's, um, <laughs> there's a lot of open jobs out there though, right? So. How to how to train people faster and how to get them in yeah. some of these positions. So, yeah, that that is an inherent uh, truth in the marketplace. We we don't have enough people. Well, uh, and we certainly don't have enough people. Uh, you know, we can't make them overnight. Who have the kind of experience that that you and other guests have had on the show. But uh, thank you for uh, for all that you you do. You know, it's uh, the one thing we all have in common in this space is we have an important mission. Uh, where, you know, our society depends on 
more success in this area. And so thank you for doing that and for your, again, on Veterans Day for your, your former uh, service in the U.S. Navy. Well, thank you, Derek. I appreciate the time uh, that we've we've shared here. Um, hopefully there's something here that was said that um, can hopefully help someone. Um, and of course, I mean, you can find me on, on LinkedIn. I'm willing to help out wherever I can, even if people want to chat and, you know, those kind of things. I mean, that's, that's all good, too. So, Well, thank you for that, Charlie. Why don't we uh, end, as I like to, on uh, something a little fun, the Inside the Actor Studio questionnaire, the Pavot questionnaire. <laughs> I um, I loved this show. It was where uh, James Lipton, who has since passed, uh, was uh, interviewing all the famous actors and actresses for many, for decades. Um, and he ended the show with this, something he called the Pavot questionnaire. I had to look it up. It was from a French show. And he borrowed it lock, stock, and barrel, uh, as far as I know, from that show. So I'm borrowing it from him which I guess means I'm borrowing from them. So I, this could have been asked of people for 50 years. I don't know. Uh, but it goes back a ways. And uh, so if you're ready for it, I will ask you the same questions uh, that have that, that's been asked of all those folks. Okay. Sounds good. All right. What is your favorite word? Joy. What is your least favorite word? Can't. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Beautiful flowers. What turns you off? Oh, interesting. Gloom. (laughs) What is your favorite curse word? I don't have one. What sound or noise do you love? I love white noise. What sound or noise do you hate? I hate clanging, banging. (laughs) What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Psychology. What profession would you not like to do? Um, a case manager that has to deal with, I don't know, protective services Mm. for children. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Come on in. Thank you, Charlie Gibbons, cybersecurity manager at Bechtel National. A uh, longtime contributor to control systems and operating technology and cybersecurity and uh, uh, a cybersecurity uh, or a, a CSA fellow. Thank you for contributing in that way to what we do and uh, and always being willing to be uh, helpful and involved. And like you said a few minutes ago, people can reach out to you if they want to uh, ask for advice. And that's uh, that right there is a, a very um, that's a very admirable quality. Thank you for all those things. OK, well, Derek, thank you and take care. And um, we'll be in touch. <laughs> All right. Take care. Be well, Charlie. Yep. Bye.